Smith and Jones on a Tuesday edition of the show. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you, and we are back. It's been a few days. We stepped aside to allow the soccer guys to come in, and rightfully so, as the Canadian national team went out, the senior men's team went out and did their job qualifying for the World Cup. So again, kudos to them, but we're glad to be back in our slot here, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m., right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Of course, you can check out the podcast anytime by downloading the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, share, all that good stuff. And we're going to dive right in today with a big win for the Toronto Raptors last night at Scotiabank Arena. And it's one of those games where you look down on paper and you say, well, this is probably going to be a tough one. The number one seed Boston Celtics come to town. But then you find out that, well, it looks a little bit different on paper. On paper, it's looking like, all right, We're licking our chops a little bit here. No Jason Tatum, no Jalen Brown, no Al Horford, Robert Williams out as well. And by the way, he's going to have surgery uh, to fix a meniscus issue in his knee. So that's a big blow for the Boston Celtics. But credit to the Celts. They played hard last night. They scratched and clawed and scraped and scratched through the entire game and led for good chunks of the game. In fact, Toronto never had a lead Higher than three. And they won the game by three. Toronto coming back after being down by as many as 11 to win in overtime, 115-112, the final of that ball game on Monday night. And it's the first time in the regular season that the Raptors have ever beaten the Boston Celtics. In franchise history, A regular season overtime game. That's the first time the Raptors have ever done it. And again, before we get to Toronto, and we will give the Raptors the love they deserve for taking care of business and getting the job done, Neesmith, Williams, Tice, White, Smart, off the bench, Pritchard and Hauser, even Cornette. Kudos to that crew. Again, missing their main two guys and three, if not four, of their main guys. And the Boston Celtics played a very tough, very tough road game on the second night of the back-to-back. They gave the Raptors everything they could handle. Toronto playing without Kem Birch. Malachi Flynn still sidelined, but getting Gary Trent Jr. back into the lineup. Trent with 12 points on 4 of 12. Scotty Barnes struggling, I thought, offensively a little bit last night, but still solid defensively, fouled out of the game. Pascal Siakam fouling out in overtime, but not before he put up 40 points. Along with 13 rebounds, three steals, one assist, and only one turnover in 47 minutes. Siakam was fabulous. Fabulous last night for the Raptors. And Toronto Jonesy gets the job done. And it turned out to be a very, very important game for the Raptors because of the fact that Cleveland came back to win over Orlando. They were down to the Magic. They lost Evan Mobley to an ankle injury. Luckily for him, X-rays negative after the game. But the pressure was on because the Cavs could have moved back into six. Toronto taking care of business. And now you look at the standings and go, all right, hold on a second. Tied with the Chicago Bulls with the exact same record. Chicago ahead of Toronto because of the tiebreak scenario. But now you're not just battling for six. You're in a battle for five. And it's going to be those three teams jockeying for two slots and who's going to be left in that play-in when the dust settles. Well, you, you want to – first of all, I, I, just on your soccer comment, I had uh, 
one of our colleagues uh, messaged me and say, Jonesy, are you sad that Canada has beaten Jamaica? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm, I was born in Jamaica, but I live in Canada. I'm a Canadian. Um, and plus, I think like six kids playing for Canada, and I say kids because I know their parents, they're my age, are of Jamaican descent. So I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I saw our man Donovan Bailey put up a tweet the same way. I just get to sing both national anthems, so I'm, I'm, all, I'm all good with it. I'm all good with it. Um, as to last night, you and I sat there last night, first of all, and I, I, I'm not, it may not cost me any money, so I can say it. I thought it was a really difficult whistle last night for both teams at times. I, I just thought the intensity of that game uh, was something that got away from the officials at times. It, it, it really did. Uh, and they needed, you're right, E, they needed that win. Uh, Orlando, uh, and the Raptors go into Orlando on Friday, not to look past Minnesota on Wednesday, but Orlando's a team that is, uh, they've been, they've been making a little bit of noise lately. I know they, and, 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 you know, I think it was Nick that talked about it, that, you know, some of these teams have lottery picks and they're out of it and they're just, they're just out there playing and having fun. Uh, you know, they, they, they gave Cleveland all they could handle. Uh, last night, uh, you know, they beat Golden State. Um, you know, they, they, they've beaten Minnesota. They've beaten New Orleans in the last little while. Uh, you know, you go back to, what, a few weeks ago, they beat Toronto. Like, there's a, this mm-hmm. is a team that's going to they're they're be an, an annoyance. They're going to kind of get in the way. So, um, again, not to look ahead, but I'm not surprised that it was that close with Cleveland. And, you know, I think the other team that's in that situation is the New York Knicks, who still think they have a chance to get into the play. And I don't think they do. But they're, you know, they're going to they're going to make some noise. They're going to they're going to cause some trouble. I mean, you you look at, uh, you know, you look at what happened last night. New York comes away with a win. So um, it's 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 real business going down the stretch. But, But back to last night's game. That was a terrific game. Uh, that was, as we said on the vlog, that was old-time playoff intensity. Eastern Conference, uh, it wasn't quite as low scoring because it went into overtime and both teams cracked the dollar value. But it was knock down, drag out, grab, clutch, hold. Every possession down the stretch was important, and you had to score. You had to execute. And the defense became more bold and more brazen the more that the referees let go. Uh, grabbing, clutching, pushing. It was, it was very emotional. And uh, I give the Raptors credit. And as you said, I give the Celtics credit too. Now, the game's different because had Tatum and Brown and some of these other guys been around, strategies would have been different. Uh, different mm-hmm. tactics and, and employment of such would have been different. And... I'm not saying it wouldn't have been a close game. It probably would have been as close. So for all the people saying, oh, well, Boston did well without their players. Hey, man, those are NBA players. And, and they're, you know, they're, they're well coached. They're together. Uh, they understand roles. And that always makes a team dangerous regardless of who's in the lineup. Uh, I agree, Jonesy. I absolutely agree with you. And, um, um, you know, I would expect a much different game, to your point, and a much different uh, mindset and approach if, and I underscore if, the Raptors ultimately face 
the Celtics in the postseason if this is a battle between Toronto uh, and Boston come playoff time. And that is a possibility, folks, because even though the, the uh, Celtics went in on Monday night as the number one seed with the loss and then the other games that went on last night with a whole bunch of teams winning and, again, the jockeying that's happening in the East, uh, Boston falls from one to four. Uh, so now Miami, as we speak this very second, is the number one seed. And the Philadelphia 76ers uh, uh, sit in, in, in second with Milwaukee. And then Boston, Chicago, the fifth seed, Toronto, six, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta. And you talk about the Knicks. Uh, yeah, they think they're in it, but they're four and a half back uh, with, what, eight games to go? Uh, I don't see it happening. Actually, yeah. for them, I think it's only six games to go. So that ain't that ain't happening. Sorry, New York, it's not happening. You're, you're, you're just going to be the spoiler right now. Um, Jonesy, let's go back to last night, though, and focus a little bit more specifically on Pascal Siakam. I saw, by the way, uh, Malika Andrews tweet out that Pascal's coming up uh, on her show later today. So that will be good to give Pascal a little bit of attention, not just here coast-to-coast where everybody knows what he's been doing. Certainly in the province and in the greater Toronto area, they know what he's been doing and playing at an all-NBA level. But one of the things that that you focus on, that we focus on, a lot of people talk about the lack of attention or the lack of focus perhaps that comes stateside. So to put him on that platform should be, hopefully could be, good for him. But putting personal accolades aside, he's just played incredibly. And I don't know where this team would be, as well as Van Vliet has played and Barnes and Trent and Ananobi since coming back and others. They are playing a very good team brand of ball right now. But Pascal continues to, team-wise and individually, be lights out. And we said it on the broadcast last night that his his spin moves, yes, but the mid-range and the finishing in traffic and finishing with the left hand and the intensity he's bringing on the defensive end as well, the way that he's still being a playmaker and handling the ball and not turning it over, only one turnover in 47 minutes last night, he is just playing incredibly and I, I can't heap enough praise on him as we've continued to do for a few months now. He is uh, he is the the uh, the focal point of the offense. Um, you know, when in doubt, they give Pascal the ball. And it was interesting, even late in the game yesterday, Fred deferring to Pascal, giving him the ball, and then moving to the wing. And it's tough to double team him or force him to help when he's in the middle of the floor. You notice Pascal starting in that middle lane, you know, between, you know, if you were to extend the lane lines up through the, the, the middle of the floor uh, on, on a vertical plane, <clears throat> he starts in the middle of the floor. He's really tough to double because he can see it coming from both sides. He's long. He can pass over. And he's too quick for a guy his size with his ball handling and his stop and go and his change of speed and change of direction and he's too big for a little guy if you guard him as a two guard oh he's out there let's guard him with the two guard no because he'll he'll get you into the paint and then it's lights out he's going to score with a short jumper he's going to get to the basket on a spin move going either way now right or left Uh, if the double comes and he's able to see where it's coming from he's going to pitch it out now you can't catch up to the ball you can't outrun the ball i don't care how fast you are what team you are and the Raptors are now that they have some of their floor spacers back Gary Trent Jr. Uh, Fred uh, OG Ananobi Chris Boucher they're going to knock down threes so what are you giving up and and Pascal has been absolutely fantastic and the other thing I like it 
like is he's playing through the contact. I'm not saying he doesn't complain because the league has become full of of histrionics and flopping and 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 guys throwing their head back on the tiniest hit on a dribble to draw the referee's attention. I'm not saying he doesn't do that because everybody does it. But there are times when he makes up his mind. He's going in there, and it doesn't matter what the contact is. Screw it. I'm playing through it, and I'm, and I'm getting a bucket. And and he is, he's playing at an all-NBA level. He's playing better than he did when he won all-NBA. When he won an all-NBA position, he had better people around him that kind of helped him. I would argue that he doesn't have as good a cast around him. He has a good cast around him. It's not as good as when he won All-NBA. But he is he's the guy right now. He's the guy right now. And he is one of the toughest covers uh, in the East. I, I, I'm, I'm looking down at, at the East standings, and I think, okay, look at, look at the, 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 the tough covers. I mean, you got Durant. Uh, you got Giannis. Uh, you got Embiid. Boston's got a couple guys. Chicago has one guy. I don't really see anybody that, I mean, they're good, but I don't really see anybody like that that can play on the inside and the outside in, in Cleveland like that the same way. Or, or in Charlotte. I mean, Trey Young's great, but he's a little guy. He's not bullying his way into the paint like Pascal is. And, and come playoff time, you're going to need that. Just somebody who can put their head down and get me a bucket, man. I need a bucket. Go get me one. Well, he was getting a lot of buckets last night. 40 points for Pascal Siakam in the victory over the Boston Six and fouling out of the game in overtime. So had a chance perhaps to finish with more had he not fouled out of the ball game. 17 of 29, 4 from distance. So he did it all, almost all, just from inside the arc. 6 of 8 at the free throw line for Pascal. Uh, again, 40 points, 13 rebounds, and only one turnover in 47 minutes, adding three steals. Yes, sir. Before we get to, I know we're going to hear from Pascal. Before we get there, can I trumpet my cause again and run the flag up the pole for getting to the competition committee and making them, uh, allowing them to have the table officials through the replay center make calls? Like Grant Williams. Well, well now you're taking away my segue, up. man. We were talking Pascal, and now it's okay. you're, you're putting a roadblock right in the middle of it, man. All right, oh, all right, Jones. I was you've going brought it up now. Pascal's. No, 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 no. I was going at Pascal's sixth foul. I was yeah, going at Pascal's no. sixth foul. Go for it. No, you're right because you're that bang ball, on. That ball came over the square backboard, and for those of you young youngins, that's the Wilt Chamberlain rule because they used to inbound the ball by throwing it over the square backboard to Wilt right in front of the rim, and he used to dunk it in, and then they made the rule. No, anytime the ball goes over a square backboard, either uh, one way or the other, it's out of bounds coming from where it came from. So it's out of bounds if it goes over and you take a shot. If you throw it from, out, from behind the backboard and it comes over, no, that's out of bounds. On that sixth foul, the Raptors, somebody saved the ball, one of the Raptors saved the ball. I mean, been Thad Young. And the ball, I thought it went up and over the square backboard. A bunch of guys went high for it. Grant Williams got it. I don't think he was looking at his frame. He was actually pushed that hard. But came down, hit the ground. Pascal got a sixth foul. You should be able to go and look at that. Like Nick Nurse had to use his challenge on an obvious missed call, and he lost a timeout. 
like those are things that the table should be able to look at. The same way they can look at twos and threes and change them, look at Grant Williams. Throws it to himself, catches it, lays it in. It's a travel. It gave Boston two points. Right in front of the referee, Evan Scott, who put both palms skyward. And the entire Raptor bench was yelling, travel. So were we. Everybody was looking like the temptations, wheeling their face, travel, travel. <laughs> and the ref puts his hands up like, no. What, what are you looking at? Okay, you didn't see it? Here it is. And then maybe you could admit, geez, I guess I missed that. It was, it was a tough whistle last night because I think there were a lot of personalities and personal feelings involved. Uh, I don't disagree with you. And you know what? I thought you said it well last night. Um, I think you, if I'm not mistaken, almost word for word, you said, Evan Scott is not having a good night. And the only thing I will say, and I, I don't know if I'm kind of taking the words out of your mouth, Jonesy, uh, I like to think that every broadcast I've done, either play-by-play or this radio show and other radio shows, has been great. But I've got to assume I've had a couple of mulligans over the years. I've had a couple of nights where maybe I wasn't at the top of my game in spite of how I might feel mentally. Perhaps it didn't come out the way my brain thought it did. So I will grant you and I will give you that an official could be the same way. He could have 99 great games, but then he or she could end up having one bad one, and it's the one bad one that stands out to the the fan base of a certain team, or it's under the spotlight of national TV or whatever it may be. So they're not going to be perfect on every single night. He had a rough one last night, and I thought that you laid it out well where he got, um, or at least he seemed to, we don't know this for sure, he seemed to get either flustered or offended or got his back up early when being sort of argued with and contested by Nick Nurse and the Raptors, and that seemed to stick under his skin the rest of the night. And whether it was overwhelmed by the moment, by the game, by the emotions, whatever, whether it was, again, just simply having a bad night, maybe he's got something going on, I don't know. But he specifically, the whole crew wasn't great, but that one especially, he he definitely had an off night. There's no denying it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. All right, let's go to Pascal Siakam, the guy we, we, we have been talking about for a few minutes, even including that sixth foul. One of the things he even talked about yesterday, and I, I'm not even sure if this is uh, one of the things he did discuss. Actually, it is, so I'm not, I'm not even going to say it then. I'll let you hear it from Pascal's mouth himself in just a second. But we'll start with him discussing him, you know, when he was asked about arguably playing the best basketball of his career. Um, I think I think I'm you know I'm continuing to get better. Um, it's been a it's been a long road for me, and 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 again, um, I just always believe that um, all the work that I put in is going to pay off, and 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 no matter you know tough times, great times, I just want to stay focused on the grind and, and continue to get better as a player. And and obviously, I think that there's a lot more to, to my game that can be um, unlocked, and 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 I just want to continue to do that. I love the fact that he thinks that he might not be playing at the best level of his career because he's still getting better. So if there's still more to come from Pascal, I can't wait to see it. And one of the things that we saw last night was the aggressiveness, and he was talking about after the ballgame again, staying aggressive in spite of being in foul trouble. Um walk through and, and it's just it's, it's hard I think for me it was just instant you know just going out there and I whatever I feel and at that time I mean for the longest time I thought I had four fouls to be honest with you like <laughs> the whole time I had five fouls I thought I had four in my head um 
So maybe if I didn't think that, maybe I would have been a little less aggressive. But um, but no, nah, like I just I just wanted to make plays, um, and and we, we we needed those plays, and and I felt like you know like why not? And and you know I, I wasn't really thinking about firing out to be honest. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> had no idea, Jonesy. Had no idea that he had the 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 four fouls, let alone the fifth foul, and uh, continued to play aggressive. And as you laid out a couple of minutes ago, kind of got burned on that sixth foul that probably should not have been a foul. Should have still been in the ball game. Uh, one more from Pascal before we go over to Nick Nurse. Michael Grange from Sportsnet is going to join us in a few minutes' time as well. But here's Siakam going into the game, discussing knowing that Boston was missing a few key pieces. I mean, I think, obviously, you think about it a little bit, but, but at the same time, like, same NBA, you know, um, and, and, you know, they're a tough program, and, and, and they always, you know, have guys that have some pride, and, and they want to go out there and get wins, and, like, you can't really, like, this, this is the NBA, this, every game is, is the same, no matter who is out there, obviously, they, they, you know what I mean, like, they have a different team when those guys are there, but at the same time, it's like, you know, all like they came out. They had a lot of energy. They played hard. Um, they made some shots early on. Um, what, what was that? Like 38 point quarter. Like so, um, they, they 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 came in ready to play. And and I think that um, yeah, that's what that's what happens most of the time when you have guys out. You know, and it's something else that we discussed on the broadcast last night, Jonesy. I think you said it to me, the fact that we've seen Toronto do just that to a bunch of teams over the last couple of years, uh, arguably over the last number of years, undermanned injuries, et cetera, and you go in and you play tough and maybe you even get a win or you at least put, put, a, put a little scare, put a little fear into the opposition when they thought that you were you know, going to lay down or they were going to roll over you. And the Raptors have shown that type of scrappiness. And, again, I give Boston credit for what they did last night uh, in nearly pulling off that victory. Well, Boston hit first. And, you know, our, our, our man, former Raptor coach, Dwayne Casey, used to say, if it's a street fight, hit first. <laughs> because, um, you know, <laughs> it's like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I thought Boston hit Toronto first uh, the way they came out. Okay, we're under man, but – We've come to play, and it was, you know, you and I do. Who's our sponsor, E, for keys to the game? I should know this. I'm just, maybe I'm just so busy looking at my keys to the game when you're reading the sponsor line that I don't, I don't listen as much as I should to, but should. But um, it was one of my first keys. Jump on Boston early. They're undermanned. Hit first and let them know, oh, man, this is going to be a long night without, <clears throat> without Tatum and Brown. And, and oh, boy, we're, we're in tough here. But instead, Boston hit first. Boston came out um, aggressive. They got the calls. The whistle went in their favor. And it kind of set a tone for the Knights. Like, yeah, we're here. We're not going away. And I give the Raptors credit for eventually overcoming that. But, um, I, I, you know, I, I, didn't think that, uh, I didn't think that Toronto hit first. And, you know, e, that's what makes Toronto such a good road team. We're talking about this, some of us broadcast types after. They on the road they hit first, mm-hmm. at home. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't hit first at home. Maybe they wait till they. Oh, I was going to say get slapped in the face, but maybe they wait till, um, you know, they get they get touched up a little at home before they react. But they've done. Look, hey, they've they've won a few home games now, and you've got a whack of home games coming down the stretch. You control where you are. As you're in the, the sixth hole now, um, got to win at home. 
I was I was trying to avoid Oscar connections, but you've now twice in the I last know, like sixty to ninety seconds talked about punched in the face, slapped in the face, whatever. But we're gonna we're we're gonna leave it alone for now. We're gonna leave it alone. Um, and by the way, I didn't want to. Wait a minute! In it's and, not like I haven't used there. those lines before, right? It's not no, like no, we haven't true. used Absolutely. those lines before. Absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Um, keys to victory. By the way, brought to you by our good friends at DoorDash. Um, and 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 we should if we're gonna if we're gonna shout out one sponsor we should we should shout them all out but we should you know give a little shout out to to Wendy Sokoloff as well and Sokoloff lawyers you know maybe somebody could send some DoorDash over to Wendy or Wendy could send some DoorDash to us or if you want to get in on the love here we go this is a cheap plug Jonesy call the Fan Five Ninety Sales Department uh, track down my guy uh, Martin Davey or Matt Bonifero and uh, get yourself on the Raptors broadcast for some sponsorship as the Raptors eye the postseason. Are they going to be there as a fifth, sixth seed? Will they be in the plane in seventh? You want to be a part of it, call the Fan 590 Sales Department. There, I just cut a promo for the radio station. All right, quickly, well done, before we go to well uh, Mr. Done. Grange. Well done. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm sure we'll get a piece of that, Jonesy. Um, before we go to Grange, let's hear from Nick Nurse, head coach of the Raptors, after the ball game, uh, just discussing how tough it was against Boston last night. It uh, wasn't much fun, um, but... You know, and it's hard, and it's hard to win in this league. It's it's always something, right? And uh, you have to keep fighting through. And I, I give our guys credit for just hanging in and fighting. And it was it wasn't easy, as you know. Um, but we got some stops down the stretch and played a little better defense after the first quarter and um, hung in there. Pretty sure I'm correct in saying that that uh, was a veiled dance around, not mentioning the officials <laughs> when Nick Nurse talked about oh, yeah. how tough it was and the struggles the Raptors had and uh, the issues and whatnot. That was a thousand percent in regards to the officials last night. <laughs> All well, right, Jonesy, he, one last one. It. Oh, go ahead, go we ahead, saw jump it, in. Right? Go ahead. We, we saw yeah. it. We saw it. Nick Nurse jumped on Evan Scott early. David Guthrie didn't like it called a T on Nick Nurse, what, two minutes into the game? And I felt that they held that. that. They're they're humans. I felt that they held that, the two of them held that that personally all night in terms of, at times, the whistle against Toronto. Uh, Just me, maybe my Raptors slant on things, just the way I feel. Mitchell Irvin was nondescript. He He made as many bad calls for... Celtics as he did for the Raptors. I mean, it was he was he was not really a factor. But I just thought, um, as a young official, Evan Scott had a coach come at him in a playoff intensity type situation, and uh, he'll learn from it. I, I think he'll be a better official from it. But I think he and David Guthrie right. tried to push Nick back, and that was it. All right, last one on uh, from Nick Nurse. Uh, a guy that we should have mentioned earlier, and he joined us on our post-game show last night uh, after the victory. Thaddeus Young, arguably his best performance as a Raptor. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks, and a steal in 28 minutes. Outstanding effort from the vet. And here's Nick Nurse on the performance from Thaddeus Young. That was great tonight. He really was all the way through. Um, you know, played uh, played a long uh, stretch there to finish, and he, I mean, he made, he was 
they were trying to go at him on defense a lot. They were trying to put him in the switches, and he wasn't giving up much. That was the that was the biggest thing. Let alone the shots and putbacks and things like that. He was getting, but his defense I thought was good, and he was fighting. Uh, got some loose balls, a couple of rebounds too. He was great. That was that was his best game for sure. Most impactful for sure. All right, there is uh, Nick Nurse after the ball game. Thaddeus Young again, uh, a big performance, twelve points, eight rebounds, and uh, I don't know if you saw Jonesy. You know, we were on the air, but I happened to look down at the monitor and caught the first person in the hallway in the vom, kind of up that ramp going towards the Raptors locker room to greet Thad Young, Masai Ujiri with the fist bump, and then walked alongside Thad up the ramp towards the Raptors locker room, and uh, I'm sure that had to feel good for for Masai and for Bobby Webster seeing the type of performance that Thad turned in last night, and he's going to be, I think, a key cog, especially come playoff time, just his veteran experience, and the fact that he's starting to consistently drop down the three ball as well, just trying to be another spacer, another floor spacer, and another shooter out there for the Raptors, especially uh, in that second unit, so kudos to Thad Young. We're going to step aside for a moment, Jonesy, maybe we can start with that with Grange or somewhere else when Michael Grange from Sportsnet joins us next, and we will continue talking about the Raptors game last night and look ahead to tomorrow's tilt against the Minnesota Timberwolves and the rest of the season. Only a couple of weeks left until the playoffs roll around and where will Toronto be when it all shakes out. Michael Grange up next on Smith & Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review, download and share as well. Raptors coming off the victory last night over the Boston Celtics, 115-112 in overtime. And a man that was in attendance watching that one as well, our colleague from Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, Michael Grange. Michael, thanks for the time as always. Oh, happy to be on, guys. How are you? Doing well. All good, Doing Michael. well, Michael. Uh, Michael, I, I, we've talked a lot about last night's game specifically. I want to look kind of bigger picture perhaps with you right now and, and maybe focus in on it. And I know there's no way of knowing because it's so tight in the East between one and four, let alone five through seven, even arguably five through eight. Is there a matchup right now? Because, you, you know, you're a journalist, you're a writer, you can actually give an answer whereas a player will say, oh, it doesn't matter, we will face anybody, etc." Is there a matchup that Toronto would be better suited for? Or maybe the other way to look at the, the, the question, is there a team or two you absolutely want to avoid in the first round? Well, the funny thing is, is how many potential teams it could be, right? Like, right. it's pretty crazy. Um, like, looking at it now, it could be anywhere from, like, there's literally could be almost the entire conference uh eight through one through eight that they would have to, to, to face. But, um, you know, I think you want to avoid Miami, um, it, which is funny because the Raptors have been pretty good against Miami. I just see them as being, having just so much potential defensively. They've been pretty good all year, but you know, you know, they can ramp that up. If the Raptors do struggle anywhere, it's half guard offense. I just think that would be a tough matchup, uh, ironically, given Raptors' success against the Heat this year. And if I had to pick a team I think you might take your chances with, I think it'd be Philadelphia. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's just because, you know, there's a couple of reasons there. I think one, you know, Toronto has shown that they do have, you know, you never want to be too confident, but they have a history of being able to at least neutralize Joel Embiid, and they've done it with various versions of their personnel. 
Um, doesn't mean it would happen again, but you know they can go into that series with a bit of confidence that they have a game plan that has worked. Um, and then at the other end, as good as Embiid is and as much of, an, of a presence he is in the middle, um, it is a team with matchups that can be exploited. They do have some, they're not really deep, and they do have some soft spots defensively that I think you can attack. And, uh, you know, I think that would play a little bit into the Raptors' hands. Uh, Michael, I agree. Um, you know, you have those teams that you play against that it's, it just seems to be your night when you play them or teams that no matter what happens, you just you have a tough time, gyms and buildings that you have a tough time in, gyms and buildings that you really like. And I, I think Nick Nurse has – has always kind of had the scheme and the personnel to execute it against uh, Philadelphia. I would, I would agree with you there. I mean, you never be careful what you wish for, right? That's the old adage from the basketball gods. But I, I think Philly and, and I, just looking at what I saw last night from the way they're coached and how together they are without their stars, I, I think you want to avoid Boston. And then Milwaukee knows what it's like to be at the top of the mountain. They have kind of flown under the radar all year while everybody's talking about Miami and Philly and now the Celtics on to come up. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think it might be Philly. But um, here's the other side of that coin, Michael. Who's putting up their hands on the top of the board saying, oh, yeah, no problem. We'll take the Raptors in the first round. I don't think anybody's doing that either. Oh, I would agree. I mean, I think you could say that about a lot of teams in this conference. It's just so tight, so even – there's really, you know, like you even look today, Atlanta's intent. There's a reason they're intent, right? They have some flaws, but, you know, they were in the conference finals last year. And, you know, I, I think there's, there's, there's a reason you'd be anxious about facing them as well, just because of the talent they have. Um, but as it relates specifically to the Raptors, I, I, I think that they've, you know, there's, there's a respect factor there. They're only a couple of years removed from a 60-win season or on pace for a 60-win season. They're only a couple of years removed from a championship team. It's not the same, but you do have, you know, there's not many teams that are, you know, kind of have the upward trajectory Toronto has, yet still have people on the roster with championship ranks, right? Like, that's not a, a common combination, um, you know, and I think Nick Nurse is, just proven himself over and over again. And I could argue this might be his best year coaching that he's able to not only get teams to buy in, but his teams improve uh, month by month. You know, they, they kind of, the game plan gets refined. Um, the specificity, the polish, it just kind of keeps showing up over and over again. And then in a playoff series, you know, he's clearly shown that he, he's a guy who can adjust to your game plan. He can quickly identify the weakness that um, that your team might have and, and, and devise game plans that, that can attack those weaknesses. That's been shown over and over again. So, and then you just have a roster, you know, full of guys who can create chaos. I would say the one thing that if I was an opposing coach and looking at how the Raptors play, that would give me a little bit of comfort or confidence or you know, is the things that they do best that kind of propel them along are on paper, <laughs> the easiest things to rectify. So in other words, 
you know, the Raptors have made a meal at the off, yeah. on the offensive glass. They've made a meal of the possession game. So it's basically creating chaos defensively, forcing a lot of turnovers, and then gaining extra possessions offensively, chasing their own misses. And, you know, in your, if you're in a playoff series and you have everyone dialed in, you are a good team, you know, those are things you should be able to clean up. And I think, you know, the book on Toronto would be if you can get them playing half court, if you can – you know, force the ball out of the right people's hands. If you can have people other than Fred VanVleet or maybe a Gary Trent shooting it, um, you know, you should be able to stop them offensively. Um, so that'll be, that's, you know, and that's the, the challenge the Raptors are going to face. Here's Michael, uh, Eric, I just want to jump in quickly. Michael, here's the, the thing I would say to that, Dill. And it's, it falls in the, as you just pointed out, the easier said than done category. When the Raptors put a lineup on the floor, with those five long guys between six eight and six nine, um, no matter what you do, they're going to be they're going to be tough to get past. They're going to be tough to break down, and and they may create a turnover because you see a lane, or you see a pass, and all of a sudden there's an Ananobi in the passing lane. So I I, I you know it's funny because they say that the game slows in the playoffs and it becomes possessions, but I think the Raptors will be really good at that kind of a game because of the personnel they have too. When Fred is 100% healthy, man, he's a tenacious defender, size aside. So it, it um, you know, to your point, it's <laughs> there's no cakewalk in the East. It's going to be really fun to watch the Eastern Conference playoffs. Right, and just to counter my own point, and, and agreeing with you there, Paul is, is you know maybe the Raptors' greatest strength is they have an identity. Like they know how yes. they want to play. They know what works for them. They believe in what has worked for them. And so, you know, I think that's, you know, sometimes that's all it takes, right? There's not a ton of confusion out there as to what they're, what they're planning to do, how they're going to do it, and that clarity can be all the difference. But, you know, if the Raptors are healthy and they are, you know, they're getting the kind of perimeter shooting they need from Ananobi, from Trent, from Trent Jr., and, and just a little bit from a few other places, obviously, Fred, um, they, they can score. And uh, and defensively, yeah, they when they're when they're right, they're they're can be pretty hellacious. Speaking with Michael Grange from Sportsnet, check out his latest at Sportsnet.ca. Michael, um, I wanted to ask you about a guy in Jonesy. I don't even know if we've spent as much time talking about him this season as well. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Scotty Barnes has been getting a ton of attention, rightfully so. Pascal Siakam, rightfully so. Fred VanVleet, all-star season. Gary Trent Jr., the scoring streak that he was on earlier this season and his importance, his emergence this year. I would go back to the beginning of the season. I don't know about you, but I would have said going into the year, the guy that I was focusing most on was OG Ananobi. At the time, and he still might be, but at the time, Toronto's best defender, a guy that you thought was going to have to be important alongside Siakam and VanVleet. But he's kind of, you know, partially because of injuries, sort of flown below the radar a little bit and is still having a very solid season on both ends of the floor. How important is he to what Toronto is going to do, not just these last couple weeks, obviously, but into the postseason? Oh, he's massive. He's massive. And and, uh, the reason, you know, he was such a focal point coming out of training camp and in the early part of the season was, one, Siakam was hurt. Two, Siakam was coming off a pretty, you know, you know, so a difficult couple of 15 months, let's say, going back to the bubble. Um, and Ananobi had shown so much 
promise. And I mean, he had in between his injuries last year again, he was he really made a big step. And so, um, I think what's interesting now is because he's missed so much time and there's so little time in the season. Uh, I think it in a way helps helps Ananobi and it helps the Raptors because what he was doing when Siakam wasn't playing and, and when other guys weren't available early in the year, it was, he kind of had free reign offensively. He was trying to create off the dribble. He was really trying to push the envelope on his game, which is to the credit of him and the credit of Nick Nurse and his staff. They encourage the guys to do that, right? Like that's how you grow. We saw that last year with Siakam. He would struggle late in games and, you know, he would keep going back to him. And sure enough, a year later, it's, you can see some of the fruits of that. So, um, but now that you're kind of in, in crunch time, uh, you know, and he's coming off an injury, his role's been kind of simplified, and he's great at that, right? Like we've seen it, you know, spot up threes, attack closeouts off the dribble when needed, and then defensively just be, you know, the kind of monster he's, he really is. And I think in that role for this team at this point of the season, is perfect. And it doesn't mean he's not going to grow his role and expand more and, and maybe even rely on some of the things he has developed at points now and going into the postseason. But, you know, I've said this, and, and it's not really it's not a controversial statement. At his best, um, what OG Ananobi does is elite. In other words, he is in the top 95% all of, of 3 and D types in the league. And he would start on almost any, I think, any team in the league. Maybe, maybe uh, outside of Phoenix, just because they have Mikael Bridges is kind of like, you know, the equivalent. But you know, there's not a championship hoping, dreaming team that wouldn't want OG Ananobi starting because he's that valuable and he's that good in that crucial, crucial role. Yeah. Um... Michael, where where do you uh, put get your crystal ball out um, and looking at schedules and stuff? Do you think the Raptors hang on to six? Do they get as high as five, or are they in that what everybody wants to avoid with the play the pit as I call it the playing tournament um, that one and done scenario where man right now you I don't think you want to be anywhere near one game against Trey Young or Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or any of those people for your season on the line? Yeah, it's really remarkable when you look who is in that play-in tournament in the East, especially like there is some firepower <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. you're right. I think, yeah. I think the good news is, is, you know, you look at uh, the Raptors remaining schedule. I think they have seven games, right? Two at home. Um, like you'd never predict this, but I could see them running the table. Um, and the reason I say that okay. is, I don't think there's going to be all that many teams they're playing that will really be coming in to win. Um, you know, Minnesota is going to be the obvious exception. So they play them tomorrow night. They're a team very similar profile to the Raptors. They're they're trying to get into that top six, stay in that top six, and um, you know they're going to bring everything they have. So that's going to be very very tough. But you look beyond that, uh, Miami and Philadelphia. How interested are they? Are will they be in winning and finishing the top two in the East? Like, let's be honest, for the reasons you just described, people are people are going to be a want. People won't be upset to finish third this year in the East, and then you avoid the potential of having to play, uh, you know, a, a Br- Brooklyn, for example, um, you know, and then you've got Orlando, New York, 
and I think there's another softy in there, right? So you've got teams that are basically absolutely don't want to be winning games at this time of the year. And, you know, the Raptors have no down. Like, certainly they don't want to slide back to close to the – so I think that they're a team that will – compared to some of the other teams they'll be playing, they've got a lot more interest in winning games. And I think, you know, they can easily go five and two, six and one or better uh, down this stretch. And and so I'd be – I wouldn't say I'd be surprised, but I would almost be be surprised if they don't finish fifth at this point. Michael, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Thanks. There is Michael Grange from Sportsnet. Again, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please download, rate, and review. We'll be back again tomorrow. Have a good one, folks.